Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Scoops with Danny Mac. Colin Surrey is our producer. I'm Dan McLaughlin. On the program today, I'll visit with Chip Carey. Chip is a St. Louis native, the TV broadcaster of the Atlanta Braves. I think this is going to be fun. I want to get into his famous family, which includes his grandfather, legendary Harry Carey, his dad, Skip Carey, and growing up in St. Louis, a Cardinals fan. He was also the voice of the Chicago Cubs during the summer of 1998. So what does he want to see in the new 30 for 30 that will be coming out on both Sammy Sosa and Big Mac? Chip Carey will be my guest. All right, let's get it going, Colin. We'll start this morning with baseball. And if you missed it yesterday, Mike Schild, the Cardinals manager, was a guest of the show. He indicated that if there is baseball, spring training, about 21 days, and then Major League Baseball, it's coming back. What I've really missed has been the the group, our staff, we're close, uh, our players, you know, it's a close-knit group. I love the the preparation, and I'm most looking forward to getting back to to that, and then, of course, the actual game itself. And just seeing our guys go out there and compete and lay it out there is is, uh, something I'm really excited about getting back to. I mean, Colin, we're, we're ready for some baseball, are we not? I've been ready for baseball, man. (laughs) I have been ready, too. So let's just say we have it. The players in Major League Baseball agree on the economics of it. They get back on the field. There are reports that this would be an 82-game regular season. Uh, Not so fast. From folks that I've spoken with, that isn't necessarily right. I'm hearing the players want more than 82 games. They'd be willing to play into November. Hey, they're giving up salary. They want more games. So let's just say we have baseball back. I'm going to give you right now, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, a handful of factors as to what it would take to win the division for the St. Louis Cardinals. So let's start. 82 to 100 games, that's the proposal. If it is indeed that short of a season, this is no longer a marathon. We always hear baseball, it's a marathon. Uh Uh-uh, not this year, it's a sprint. In years past, teams could have a bad month or two and still find themselves, as we know, in contention. Not this year. Good start, great start. It's imperative. Last season, remember the Nationals? They started 19-31, and then went on to win the World Series. Normal season gave them a little time to recover, and they did. That wouldn't happen this year. Remember the Cardinals? They were 44-44 and in the first half last year. Then they go 47 and 27 in the second half. That's a 613 winning percentage, the equivalent to a 99 win season. They had a May record of 9 and 18. 9 and 18. One bad month like that, you could be out in 2020. Another factor injuries. You have to have a little luck, there's no doubt, and stay injury free. But that's where Mike Shield will have to use everyone at his disposal. Could be 30 guys active every night, 50 man. The taxi squad. Pitchers are the obvious ones with a shortened spring. But you can't run players out there day after day. Familiar routines, a spring to get ready for a season. Those are out the window. There won't be much time to recover if a player gets hurt. And it's always important to limit injuries. Remember the 2004 Cardinals. They essentially went the entire season. The entire season without a starter missing a turn in the rotation. With games limited, the injuries have to be as well. There just isn't enough time in a shortened season to make up for a lot of injuries. 
All right, factor number three, and I think this is the most important factor of all of them, pitching depth. The long man was a bygone, forgotten man in recent years. You never heard about the long man. Not anymore. Schilt indicated yesterday there's the potential that he's looking at of a six-man rotation. So I'm thinking about that off the top of my head right now. Let's just say the starters are Flaherty, Wainwright, Hudson, the lefty Kim, Michaelis, and I'm going to throw in Daniel Ponce de Leon. So that means the importance of relievers that can give you multiple innings. That is huge, especially early. Starters aren't going to go deep. So who are they? Austin Gomber, Henesis Cabrera, Ryan Helsley, Alex Reyes, Jake Woodford. Those are the names that would be starters in others' rotations in a normal season. And that's where the Cardinals can win. That's where they separate themselves. They have pitching depth. Factor number four, the implementation of a universal designated hitter. I don't like it. I don't want to see the DH, but I got to deal with it. It's coming. So, Dan, get on board. All right, Dan, I am. I'm talking to myself, Colin. You know, I, I, sometimes you have to. I've got to yell at myself to make sure I'm staying on track. You know this what I'm saying? This without baseball has us doing this, Dan. <laughs> it does. Good point. According to Fangraphs, nine of the 11 worst projected DHs are on National League teams. And, th- and that makes sense. I mean, American League teams, those teams have been built with that hitter in mind. I believe it's DH by committee, though, in the National League. I'd say right now, Matt Carpenter gets the first shot. That allows Tommy Edmond to play every day at third or even short if Paul DeYoung needs a break. Could be a rotation of outfielders in that spot as well. And Schilte, all he has to do, find that guy, ride the hot hand, play him. He gets cold. You go with somebody else. Final factor. And I think this is big. It'll get overlooked. The coaching staff. I've said it from day one that Mike Schilt is as good as it gets when it comes to uh, game day managing. And communication with the players. Now, there's going to be a short leash on certain players to perform. Maybe Dexter Fowler. Maybe Carpenter. Bader. Some of the others that come to mind. If they don't perform, you can't waste time. Not this year. The best players have to play. And Mike is as good as anybody in having to make tough decisions and then have the tough conversations with players. But yet, keeping those players still engaged, still trying to get the most out of them, still believing in them, And that's going to be big for all managers this year. Now, none of this happens without an agreement on the economics of the sport. Also, there's just the logistics of where you can play. The local government's giving it the green light. Jeff Passan of ESPN. Look, they're aiming for the 4th of July. But... That's also optimistic right now. And it's optimistic because there there are a lot of hurdles left. You need approvals from the state government. You need approvals from the local government. You need approval from the federal government. You need health officials to jump on board here. You need Anthony Fauci to say, yes, baseball, you can come back. You can do so safely. And I and Deborah Burks and all of the other scientists believe that this is the right thing to do. Once baseball has all that in place, that is when we're going to see someone say play ball. Now, within the last hour, there's some news this morning from the Wall Street Journal about how the league will try and get through testing 
for the player safety. Really interesting. An article written by Jared Diamond. He says that MLB could gain access to tens of thousands of kits required for testing without taking away from frontline workers. And that has been a huge sticking point. No one wants to see that, nor should it happen. The article says the plan does not call for sequestering players or suspending all play if a player gets a positive test. So we've been wondering what happens if, let's say, a guy gets the coronavirus and he tests positive. In the KBO, they shut it down for three weeks. Major League Baseball, they're not going to do that. What would the league do if a player tests positive? Well, this plan isn't nearly as rigorous as the biodome idea that we originally heard about. Bullpen pitchers would sit socially distanced in the stands. The clubhouse would be arranged differently, socially distanced. They would encourage no spitting, high fives, no signing autographs, trying to keep as socially distanced as they can. Now, the tests would be done more often than weekly, but less often than daily. So you could have multiple tests per week, but not, you know, not necessarily daily. It would be a test that can be processed in around 24 hours instead of an instant test that is more difficult to procure for MLB. Although there would be some of those that could be available if a player or personnel, part of the traveling party, felt that they were in contact with someone that had contracted the virus. Now, this is a daunting task. You start thinking about you know logistics of this. It's, it's tough to do, but we're getting down to crunch time to try to have a season. We should know in the next couple of weeks. Don't look now. Sports on your TV this weekend, and I'm not talking about the 68 World Series. Actual live sports. NASCAR returns. A golf charity match as well. Speaking of golf, we're only two weeks away from the tour returning to action. Now, many have felt, including myself, that golf would be the sport that could withstand this current shutdown because of social distancing being a part of the return. The caddies stand six feet away from the players. The golfers then hit their shot, return their clubs back in the bag. Then the caddy picks up the bag. They're socially distanced. They walk down the fairway. What if a player tests positive? If one player tests positive, they're not going to shut down the event. If multiple players do, then that's a different story. Michael Collins covers the tour for ESPN. The PGA Tour said they will not make that announcement public. So they will not be telling anyone if a player tests positive. They're going to leave that up to the player themselves if they test positive. When I talked to a couple of players about that, one player said he didn't know that was the policy, but it still doesn't really affect him. Only one player said he wasn't okay with that policy, but he still planned on playing. Well, the tour is going to provide chartered flights, one centralized hotel if they can. And a huge concern is how to get foreign players into the country with this shutdown. Also, you'll be watching the match and much of this production being done. So if you're watching the game, understand a lot of it's being done off-site. So I get asked all the time, all the time. It's one of the most commonly asked questions I get. Number one, will baseball be back? I say yes. And then they say, well, how are you going to do the game? What's it going to be like as an announcer? What do you think it's going to be like to do a game from the studio, not on site at the stadium? And my response is, if this is the best we got, great. Let's do it. It can be done. There's no crowd, but there are ways to make this enjoyable for fans at home. Now, would it be preferable to do a game as an announcer on site? Of course, yes. There are aspects of the game that you don't see on a monitor that you can pick up while being at a stadium. However, it can be done and it will be done. How about piping in crowd noise? Tighter camera shots of the field and the players. Hey, if this is all we got, 
Make the most of it. Look at it as a positive. Let's have some fun with it. Also, if there are no fans in the stands, think about this. That means there are no cameras blocking the view of a fan. So from that positive perspective, you as a viewer could be seeing camera shots, angles that you've never seen before. A lot of times we put cameras in different spots because we don't want to block the view of a a paying fan that's at the game. So you're going to see things you've never seen. How about drones? Why not? Unique camera angles. They're going to do it in NASCAR. Do it in baseball. Do some fun things with that. No one's in the stands. Unique camera angles. Tighter shots. Take me inside the game. That's a positive way to look at it, and I think we can do that. It can be done. It's all on the table. Really enjoy getting feedback from you on the Air Comfort Service text line. That's 65780. And that really has been fun for me to hear from you. And you guys make me think. This is your show, so make me think. Drop me a a mic drop as well on the Rhino Shield mic drop. Coming up, growing up a carry in St. Louis. We talk it over with Chip Carey, voice of the Braves. That's next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. His father was legendary. That was Skip Carey. Grandfather, well, he was pretty good, too. That's Harry Carey. And the grandson has been outstanding in his own right. A St. Louis native now calling Atlanta Braves baseball. And he's been doing that for a long, long time. And it's one of my best friends, and that is Chip Carey. Always good to hear your voice, Chip. How are things? I'm doing great, Danny. I was independent contractors just hanging out, trying to uh, make ends meet until we get back in starting baseball. And uh, great to hear your voice, too. I know these are tough times for the folks in St. Louis, but I know you're doing a great job entertaining your audience. And I know you can't wait to get back behind the microphone calling those Cardinal games like me with the Braves. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, I think. And uh, when that happens, it'll really be a great day. As I mentioned, you're a St. Louis native, so you know all yeah. about Cardinal baseball and, and your legendary grandfather and everything that goes into Cardinal baseball. So when you think about growing up here in St. Louis, did you grow up a Cardinal fan? Oh, of course. I mean, look, as you know, uh, at least to my I'm a little older than you are, but when, when I was uh, a youngster, you pretty much knew the starting lineup for the 64 Cardinals before you knew the ABCs. Uh, in fact, there are a lot of people who still think I know that more than me than my ABCs <laughs> now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously uh, it, it is really an amazing thing. You know, people from there get it. There's a culture. There's an expectation of watching a great ball club or at least a ball club uh, play the game the right way. And uh, that was something that I even appreciated as a, a little kid trying to play Little League Baseball. My coaches would say, hey, we're going to try to play the Cardinal way. And growing up and understanding the game and learning it and watching it now broadcasting, you can see how those philosophies that George Kissel implemented, uh, that Branch Rickey implemented and still carry on today, uh, and why it makes a franchise like the Cardinals and like the Braves uh, so successful. They have the courage to stick with their principles. They are unwavering principles. Um, they do, they, they try to put a product on that is representative of the great fan base that they represent. And, uh, my understanding is that the players realize that, 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 uh, that bird and those birds in that bat on the front of the shirt are a whole lot more important than the name on the back of it. And I think people with that Midwestern sensibility really, really appreciate that. And certainly as a kid, I did as well. There was a tremendous article on you recently and without getting too personal, and you just mentioned playing little league baseball, uh, you got the chance to to see your grandfather at a Little League game. But, and this yeah. article was on you, but the, your grandfather 
didn't know you. And, and when I bring up that point is that we're in a business where we travel a lot. And you know what? Harry Carey was a brand all of his own, wasn't he? He was. He was Harry Carey. He wasn't a dad or a grandfather in the, in the traditional sense that you and I would understand or appreciate or many of your fans would. Uh, he was uh, you know, an orphan in St. Louis, and he was a typical uh, you know, American success story. He had to fight his way up the ladder just to survive. And once he got to the point where he became successful, he was going to do everything in his power to stay at the top of his powers. Uh, you know, he ruffled a lot of feathers along the way. He also made a lot of friends along the way and went obviously to the Hall of Fame. But uh, he didn't have the, the skill set to be a, a father, as we would imagine, or a grandfather, much less. And so, yeah, I was at a Little League game. Um, uh, Harry's widow, Dutchie, uh, was there with her son playing baseball. I was playing on a, a separate field. One of my teammates told me that my grandfather was there, and uh, I walked by and waved. And He might as well have been, been waving at you, Dan. He didn't know who I was. That was obviously upsetting, and one of my coaches saw me upset and said, what's wrong? I told him the story, and he walked by and introduced me to my grandfather. And He, he, he said, this, this young man's a pretty good player. I thought you'd like to meet him. He said, hey, young man, what's your name? And before I could say anything, my coach said, he's your grandson, Chip. And truly, you could hear a pin drop in this ballpark, and nobody knew what to say. I just shook his hand and said, hey, I'll see you later, and walked off. And, you know, he came and found me and everything else. was obviously embarrassed. But to your point, it wasn't a malicious thing. It wasn't a, uh, you know, mean-spirited thing. He just was in Chicago and was at a different stage in his life. My parents were divorced, so he didn't see me. Um, and so that's a moment that stuck with me for a long, long time, uh, only because it taught me the importance of being a family guy and understanding how important my wife and my kids are. And while I am far from perfect, and while this business takes us away from a lot of the special moments uh, that, that matter so much more than a baseball game in Pittsburgh, for example, uh, at least I can go to bed at night knowing that my wife and my kids and someday my grandkids will know me and I'll never have to worry about uh, uh, waving at them and wondering, is that mine? <laughs> is that my offspring or not? And uh, that, that was a, a real, real big, important life's lesson for me that I learned when I was 13 or 14 years old. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Chip Carey, again, great broadcaster, NBA, now doing the Atlanta Braves. Uh, my guest, St. Louis native. And, you know, family is so important to you. And obviously a story like that resonates. But you made a point to go work with your dad in Atlanta and to make sure that you guys kind of rekindled um, a father-son relationship. What, what was that like being beside your dad doing some games? Awesome. Uh, you know, it's, it was amazing. You know, my dad was at the peak of his powers, obviously, when I got back to Atlanta in 2005. And I was sort of hired by TBS to sort of do what I was going to do in Chicago. I was going to be the next generation to carry Braves baseball into the next 20 years. And uh, it got sidetracked with a network job, which I really wasn't prepared for and quite honestly didn't do a very good job at. Um, I'm an everyday baseball guy. And having that opportunity to go home to, so, so to speak, to Atlanta, where my major league career started in 91 uh was a dream come true all the same people in the front office were there all the same people in the coaching staff and manager's office were still there uh 14 years later uh a lot of the same players were there uh, and all the same broadcasters were there so for me it was like stepping into a very very comfortable shoe the difficult part was we had five guys for four spots and uh that, that made things a little dicey with don sutton from time to time um, but ultimately it worked out. He ended up going to Washington and then came back to Atlanta. I settled in with the Braves and I'm still there, but more importantly, I got to uh, relate to my dad as his son. Um, he didn't see me an awful lot growing up. Uh, he'd do his visitations and uh, do all of his due diligence as a responsible father would do. 
but he didn't really know me until I was a professional broadcaster with the Orlando Magic at 24. And we'd see each other a little more frequently and all of that. But uh, to be able to take him uh, to his doctor's appointments, to pick up his dry cleaning, to go to lunch with him, to have a cocktail with him on the road, to do a game with him, to sit in the booth and, and never step on each other's toes as broadcasters. It was just so seamless and so fun. And we always knew where each other was going to go with, with the broadcast. So there's an instant chemistry, which is obvious. Uh, but he let me do things my way. I let him do things his way. And uh, a lot of people really enjoyed it. And it was an unforgettable time. What's the story behind, there's a great famous photo of Harry, Skip, and Chip all getting ready to do a major league game. What's the story behind that photo? Well, it's interesting you bring it up. It was this day, 29 years ago, that that happened. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. 29 years ago today. It doesn't seem possible. Uh, um, Braves were at Wrigley Field. And uh, someone had the idea that, wait a minute, this is the first time that three generations of broadcasters are going to be doing the game. And I was working with my father on the Braves side. Harry was doing the game with the Cubs with Steve Stone. And we decided to do an open that would be taped and used by both WGN and WTBS uh, on the air. Uh, as you can imagine, Dan, I'm 26 years old at the time. I don't know anything. I'm just trying to survive and do a game and have fun. I didn't realize at the time the significance of that moment, not just for me and my dad, but for my grandfather. Again, uh, he was born in an era where you wanted your son to do exactly what you did, and he kind of tricked my dad to get into the business. My dad was the opposite. If I wanted to be a broadcaster, he'd help me, but I had to tell him that's what I wanted to do. So for Harry Carey, who didn't know his parents, was an orphan, grew up penniless in St. Louis to see his son and his grandson both broadcasting in the major leagues at the same time and then able to do a game with him at the same time. Uh, for him and for us, it was really the pinnacle. And uh, the only thing that I can think that would top that would be if I get the opportunity to work with one of my sons, both of whom are hopeful of getting into the broadcasting business and both of them whom are so much further along and better advanced than I was at, at their age, which is now 20 or 21 years old. So uh, it was a special day. It went by in, a, in the blink of an eye. But, uh, yeah, 29 years ago today, uh, the three of us, I guess, made history. And I don't know if, if that's history that will ever be repeated. I, I seriously doubt it. Chip Carey is our guest. Um, did, did you ever have the chance to ask your father or your grandfather as you got older and then, re, you know, got to reconnect a little bit about his time in St. Louis, how it ended? how he enjoyed it, what he thought, any of those kind of things. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. Um, look, you know, my grandfather's end in St. Louis is well documented, and there's no need to, to hash all of that up. Needless to say, he thought that uh, he would be a guy that worked there for 40 or 50 years, and that didn't happen. He worked there for 25 magnificent years. I mean, we could make the case, Dan, that uh, besides you and, and Jim Edmonds, that the greatest broadcasting crew in the history of the Cardinals was Jack Buck and Harry Carey. This is why I love and, you. Uh, this is why I love you. <laughs> I love you. Keep going. This is great. Right, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, you know, and so, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, as you know, I mean, you're, you're from St. Louis. You understand the magical connection that comes from being from that part of the world and representing that incredible franchise. And you do it as well as, if not better than anybody that I've ever seen. And, you know, Harry loved St. Louis. He loved the Cardinals. He lived and died the Cardinals. And I don't think he ever thought that that was going to end. And when it did, uh, there was incredible disappointment and probably anger and bitterness. He said the only regret that he ever had at the time was when he had his farewell press conference at Old Bush's Grove, uh, that he held the press conference and was drinking a Schlitz beer. Instead of a Budweiser, it's the and, best. You know, that was, it's that was best. right, right. I mean, that was his way. You know, that was, I guess, as close to to saying, okay, you know, you're canning me. Well, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, things came full circle. Uh, Mike Rorty and his great people with the brewery and Mr. Bush brought him back with the Cub fan Bud Man thing with his dancing and Bud Light and all that stuff, which worked out great. 
And I think that at the end, my grandfather and, and hopefully uh, the Bush family and the Cardinals all came to terms that, that time marches on. And, you know, his his history, his record there and his run will, will you know, always be remembered fondly by people who love the Cardinals in the 60s and uh in 50s and and uh you know they've got the tapes and the stories and all that stuff that stays and lives forever even though he's not here anymore the summer of 98 um there's going to be a 30 for 30 coming out and with no sports obviously we're we're so focused many of uh the sports fans are on the last dance they'll be focused on the new one coming out in in uh just i guess a few weeks on mark mcguire and sammy sosa we all know what has transpired in, in that summer. What what do you want to know from that, from a guy that was behind the mic, you know, calling these great moments with Sammy Sosa and Big Mac? Uh, you had right. all those calls. What do you want to find out? What do you want to see in that documentary? I want to see unbridled joy and just a fascination with and an absorption of how great baseball is, how healing and unifying it is, and how wonderful head-to-head competition can be. Look, I, I think you hit it on the head, Dan. We all have the... the the value now of 2020 hindsight and for me personally knowing what we know or what we think we know it doesn't in any way diminish what happened over that summer again steroids uh balco uh andro and all that all that aside we forget where baseball was after the strike in 94 and people were still reluctant to come back to the ballpark and people were still very angry at the owners and players for taking away their game for whatever reason and the chase that mcguire and sosa had going was epic on so many different levels. You had a, 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 a an Hispanic man from the Dominican Republic. You had a white California guy from in St. Louis and Chicago, two arch rivals, uh, going toe-to-toe, trying to not only win the home run race and break a record that many thought would be unbeatable, but were also trying to carry their teams into postseason play. And they just, it was, you know, Sammy Sosa would hit a home run on Monday afternoon. McGuire would hit two on Monday night. And then everybody would check the tote board and we'd go back and do it the next day. It was unbelievably exciting theater. It was the ultimate for me game within a game. And uh, personally, the fact that it happened in my first season with the Cubs, with Kerry Woods' 20 strikeout game, with the Cubs making the wild card with a one game playoff, all that stuff was just for me personally, a, a wonderful entree into Chicago Cubs baseball culture. And uh, to be in St. Louis when McGuire broke the record and to watch Jack Buck stand and applaud and cry uh, and to later have Jack in our booth in the, in, in the uh, WGN broadcast was truly one of the highlights uh, of my career and my life. I mean, uh, again, like you, Jack Buck lived and died Cardinal baseball. And to see what McGuire accomplished and knowing that he knew Roger Maris and all that he went through and to see something so unbelievable happen and the majestically perfect way that it did where there was no fight over who was going to sell the baseball and some grounds crew kid picks it up and does the right thing i mean it was just it was just a poetic finish a poetic night and uh, uh again one of the great memories that i'll always have and i can't wait to relive that when that series starts on espn and i'll f- uh, finish this up with uh chip carey great voice of the atlanta braves and as i mentioned a st louis native uh the son of legendary broadcaster skip carey grandson of harry carey um, we make a living off of baseball, and we're hearing about sure. all the different things that are going on and, and how it could unfold. Just in a general sense, where are you right now with what baseball may be presented uh, with and what they may do here in the season of 2020? Well, I think, uh, personally, I think we should be very encouraged that they're talking. I mean, nobody's stormed out of rooms, what I've seen or what I've read, right? I mean, everybody could have said, no, we're not doing that, game over, we're done. Uh, they're talking, they understand, I think, Dan, that uh, this is a once-in-a-generational opportunity to do the right thing and position baseball 
to be the national pastime and, and market this thing in a way that's never been done before. I love all the new ideas. I'm not a fan of the DH, but this isn't the time to stand on that soapbox. This is a time to concentrate on getting the game back to getting people's, uh, you know, excitement levels up about something to root for. I mean, communities rally around their sports teams. And I, I, I can speak for the fans in Braves country. I'm sure you can speak the same for the folks in St. Louis that your community is is just so anxious to have something else to talk about besides what's all happening in the United States and the rest of the world. And so uh, I'm incredibly hopeful. Again, as a former Cubs announcer, I sell hope better than anybody. Uh, <laughs> but I think, everybody's, I think everybody's hopeful that they're going to come to an agreement. And we're going to get between 80 and 100 games. And, you know, we'll start spring training sometime in June and, you know, open up in the early days of July, maybe even July 4th. And, you know, nothing is all, more All-American than the 4th of July, fireworks and Major League Baseball in whatever form it takes. And when that happens, I think all of us who, as you said, make our living covering the sport will, uh, I think, really appreciate what we've missed. And hopefully the people we work for and work with will appreciate uh, what we're able to provide. And that is some entertainment, and some fun and to get people's minds off of all that's wrong uh, in the world right now. At least that's my hope. Yeah, that is uh, hope. That's what we've got. I love your positive nature with this. And uh, I'll tell you what, I want to see baseball and I want to see you. I, I miss seeing the people that we are surrounded with every day uh, of the summer. It's an everyday thing, right? I mean, we as yeah, fans, we, we look forward to baseball, but from our perspective, we miss the crew. We miss being around each other. I miss you too. And um, that's the way I feel. I, I just want to see baseball. Yeah. I know you do too. Yeah, me too. Uh, we've got a great crew in Atlanta, and uh, those people work tirelessly to bring baseball to our audience. I know your crew in St. Louis with Fox Sports Midwest is uh, as good as, if not the best in the business. And uh, let's salute those guys and gals. I mean, they're they're on the sidelines, too, waiting and hoping and watching, just like the rest of us. I and mean, we get all the credit because we're the big faces with the makeup and hairspray and fancy suits. But uh, hopefully our job is to uh, uh, not screw up the talents of the people that work tirelessly behind the scenes, and rather anonymously, too, because without them, uh, we can't do what we do. So, yeah, I'm with you, Dan. They're our extended family. I can't wait to support them and see them. And, again, as I said, I'm optimistic and hopeful that that day is coming sooner rather than later. Always great to catch up. Thanks, Chip. You're the best, Danny. See you soon. Take care. Hang in there. How much fun was that with Chip Carey? Thanks again, Chip. And, again, the text line now is wide open for you. The Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Chip came courtesy of the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and send us a mic drop as well, the Rhino Shield mic drop. Many thanks again to Chip Carey. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. And so, yeah, I was at a Little League game. Uh, uh, Harry's widow, Dutchie, uh, was there with her son playing baseball. I was playing on a, a separate field. One of my teammates told me that my grandfather was there, and uh, I walked by and waved. And he might as well have been waving at you, Dan. He didn't know who I was. That was obviously upsetting, and one of my coaches saw me upset and said, what's wrong? I told him the story, and he walked by and introduced me to my grandfather. He, he said, this, this young man's a pretty good player. I thought you'd like to meet him. He said, hey, young man, what's your name? And before I could say anything, my coach said he's your grandson chip pretty amazing story from chip carry moments ago talking about the great harry carry longtime voice of the cardinals many thanks to chip this is scoops with danny mack if you're just tuning in because you're getting back in your car maybe and some of the restrictions are being lessened 
And so now you're driving to work or driving around town, whatever the case may be. We do this every 10 o'clock hour through 11 o'clock. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Clarkson Jewelers brings us our time check. It's 1039, and it's now time for a Rhino Shield mic drop, and we'll start with Kevin. Hey, Dan, about the uh, drone thing, I think the drone thing could be fantastic. Think all the weird, goofy stuff you could do and, you know, exploit players' personalities, which is something the game doesn't really do well anyway. Who knows, man? Put a $10 bill on it. Have the players chase it around. Who knows? I mean, you know, have have a big slugger, you know, have it come up to him in the batter's box and, you know, smack it with the bat. I don't know. I think it's a great idea. That's what I'm saying. Anything's on the table. I've been saying it since day one. Blank canvas. Paint it however you want. This year's an outlier anyway. If we're going to be bringing games back, it's going to be without fans. And so to the point earlier in the opening monologue, you, you know, you, you've got a chance to put cameras in crazy angles, different angles, shoot the game a little bit differently with those camera shots that you see at home. Put a drone out there. How cool would it be to have a drone following the ball and a guy makes a great play over the wall, makes a catch? You know, on a fly ball, something like that, or gets an angle down into the corner that you don't normally see. Sometimes we're blocked in various ballparks with that. Something to think about. Why not? Anything's on the table. 314, wouldn't this be the perfect time to try an electronic strike zone with balls and strikes? I'm okay with it. I think it's coming. Here's the thing. Number one, social distancing. Yeah, that would make it the perfect time, to your point. Absolutely. When you're watching the games on Fox Sports Midwest, we do not have the perfect technology yet for the ideal perspective of balls and strikes. It's just a little bit off, just a little bit. Now, they did try some of this in the Arizona Fall League, and there was a a famous uh, uh, shot of a game I was watching where the ball bounced and they called it a strike. So that was way off. But to your point, I think it's coming, and I... I'm for it. I think they need to change the strike zone anyway. I think it needs to be bigger, more the letter of the law, because I think these are the best players in the world. If you open up the strike zone, you'll see guys saying, hey, I'm not going to lay off that pitch because there's a premium put on on-base percentage in walks. You're going to make guys swing the bat, and if they're swinging the bat, they're going to put the ball in play. Danny Mack from the 573, that interview with Chip was off the hook. Uh, I'd like for you, if possible, to do other interviews with announcers, current or retired, especially those who are icons like you. Well, come on. Let's just, let's say icons like them. Uh, That would be so cool. Stay safe, be healthy. Can't wait listening to you again. I love the show. Thank you so much. Let's go to the 618. And I am going to try to do that. I, I think one of the good guys we should get, Colin, what do you think about Marty Brenneman? That would be unbelievable. Maybe I'll work on that for tomorrow, huh? I think, or next I think week. Just, just you two together, I'm thinking about the personalities meshing. I can only imagine how much fun that interview would be. Marty's great. I love uh, interviewing and talking to Marty, and that's going to be one of the things I miss, not seeing him. We were actually lining up a golf trip uh, when we are going to Cincinnati, so looking forward to visiting with Marty. Might be tomorrow, maybe next week. 618, Danny Mac, you should do a show just for the listeners for an hour. You run out of time. Well... It's an hour. We got other guys that need to come in here and do their thing. They're really good at what they do. But what do you have the, the as far as the highest expectations for players this year? Who do you like? I'm going to give you two off the top of my head. One would be Tommy Edmond. You know, can Tommy Edmond repeat what he did a year ago? If Tommy Edmond doesn't come up, Colin, last year, the Cardinals do not make it into postseason play. You're talking about a completely looking different looking season. I mean, the way he came up provided that spark. The 
ineptitude at times of the offense is well documented from last year. Yeah. Tommy Edmond came in, had about a thousand OPS in the second half of that season and was a huge part of going on that run where you talked about that winning percentage way north of 600. Yeah, it was all the hits. I mean, he had all those hits and wound up in the second half of the season having more hits than anybody else. So I would say him. And I'd also say Dylan Carlson. Because I think now, this year, we would have seen him at some point in the big leagues. I do believe that. I'm not so sure he would have broke camp with the Cardinals. Um, but I, my expectations for him is that if you are going to have the best players, and it's a shortened season, in spring training the last two years, he's been one of the best players. So, in my mind, you got to play him. We talked about it being a sprint. There's no time to see, oh, maybe this guy still has it. Maybe maybe we can run Fowler out there for another half a month and see if he can produce or whoever it might be. Maybe it's not Dexter Fowler, but there just isn't time for that this year. It's going to be a short season. Play your best guys. Go for it. Roll the dice. That's what I would do. Uh, from the 618, heard you talking about pitching. Where's Carlos Martinez? And you're right. The list that I gave you, and by the way, he said he loved the show. I always got to put in that, too. He loved the show. Thank you so much. Or she did. 618. I, I don't know. It didn't say guy or girl. But either way, thanks for listening. Um, the, the starters I went with, if it's a six-man rotation, and very well could be because of a shortened spring training and got to get guys going. I, I went with Flaherty, Wainwright, Hudson, Kim, Michaelis, and Ponce de Leon. And you're right. I did not include Carlos Martinez. And... Ponce would be maybe the piggyback guy on these games, and he put Carlos Martinez in there. That's a hell of a rotation. That's pretty good. And the thing is, though, is the depth. So when you have depth, and let me give you some names I'm going to throw out there. So Daniel Ponce de Leon, let's take him out of the rotation, put him in as a multi-innings eater and a guy that's getting people out. He he went and did a lot of work with Sabermetrics in the offseason, paid for it on his own. And came in and said, I'm at a crossroads in my career. He had a great spring. So I do think he would have made the club in some type of role. Here are the names I have. Junior Fernandez. This is off the top of my head. Tell me if I miss somebody. Andrew Miller, Tyler Webb, John Brebbia, Gallegos, Helsley, and then eventually Jordan Hicks. That's pretty good. And how about a Gomber that you can pull up at some point yeah. in use? Yeah, Gomber for sure. I mean, he's he's definitely. I mean, Gomber had an outstanding, outstanding um, spring training to the point that I thought if this guy had been healthy the year before, he's cracking maybe the rotation and Kim goes to the bullpen. Kim had a good spring training too. So, But here's the, the, the big point is that you're going to have to have pitching. You're going to have to have pitching. And here's the deal. I'm positive that we're going to have a season. Okay? Until they tell me it's canceled, they say it's over 2021, I'm saying we have a season. And I'm doing an hour of talk radio, so i got to talk about the things that I like to talk about. That's baseball. Oh, sports in general, but baseball. So let's talk about how we're going to get into that thing. I love it. It's Gomber. It's Daniel Ponce de Leon. It's those kind of guys. So I agree. 314, good morning, Dan. Love the show. I love the fact that the DH is coming to the National League, but some people... Don't, which is confusing. Um, yes and no. I, I think if you asked younger fans, and I don't know what that age group would be. I don't know what the cutoff age would be, Colin. But younger fans want the DH. Older fans, typically speaking, I think, generally speaking, not to make a this or that type comment, 
I think the older fans don't. They they want to see it non-DH. They want to see the pitcher bunting, um, pitching around the eighth place hitter, that kind of strategy that goes in the game. I personally like that. But I also understand it from a business point of view, too. If I'm the Players Association and J.D. Martinez is making $15 million a year and David Ortiz is making $20 million a year, that is a high-paying job for my union. I want that in. Um, I also think we have such, and I'm going to, again, kind of counter my own point here. I also think we have such a lack of offense in the game. We need something. We need something and somebody to put the ball in play. We need offense. And when you have a pitcher hitting, more times than not, you're not getting offense. Now, you might get a little activity with a bunt, some sacrifice. I know people don't like to give up outs, but that is part of the strategy. But I do think it really, if you're the Cardinals going into this offseason and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, who's the DH? Or do you go out and sign somebody? That's kind of fun, too. I mean, all these National League teams now are going to have to figure out what they want to do with that position. Do you go by DH by committee? The finances have changed. You do have good options, potentially. Maybe not a huge bopper, but you've got somebody that can hit. You've got a position player that's on your bench that now gets a chance to play, which leads me to the 573. Do you think the Cardinals regret trading Jose Martinez? And I don't think they do because they got Matthew Libertor coming back. And at that point in time, in baseball, no DH in the National League. Really not a position for Jose Martinez. So let's try to help him in his career. He's been a good soldier, for lack of a better term for you. You're giving him a chance to play. And you're getting back one of the top prospects in baseball a couple years ago and a guy that was thought to be can't miss. And from what I saw in spring training, he's pretty good. Matthew Libertor. And you never know. Maybe it's another Wainwright situation where that guy comes up. And he's in your rotation for a long, long time. Hey, I love the text messages. I really appreciate all the listeners doing that because you help me out do this show. And uh, it's great to, to keep me on my toes. You guys make me think, and that's what I want. That's the Air Comfort text line. Rhino Shield Mic Drop, I appreciate it. We'll cross it over with Ribs and BK, and that's next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK, they're coming up next. I'm Dan McLaughlin. 101 ESPN presents Play Gloria, the St. Louis Blues run to the Cup, and that's every Thursday and Friday night. Tonight, Blues-Sharks Game 3, the hand pass. When I saw that game, I don't get... I Look, I try not to get overly emotional, right? (laughs) Okay, not too many ups, not too many downs. I will be completely honest. I was so pissed, and I don't get like that. Like, I, I watch games for a living, right? Mm. You're going to have some ups and downs. As a fan, you enjoy it. As a Blues guy, as it, when I was with the team and you were playing, I, I was like part of the broadcast, so even keel, right? Stay, yeah, but now I'm stay a fan. neutral. Now I'm a fan. I was so upset when I saw that, and I thought, that's it, series over. But I thought how Craig Berube handled that is the best part of that cup run. If he didn't, if he didn't handle it and started going crazy on the officials and the league, and by extension expressing that to his players, series over, year over. You agree? Yeah. Look, there's so many things to to remember from that night. You know, Scotty Warman and I were getting ready to go on the broadcast after the game, and we're fired up. Yeah. Like, I'm in a moment where I, I feel like calling out the entire NHL, and I'm like, but well, I kind of enjoy doing my job too, so I got to be very careful here. Uh, but then, yeah, you know, we were very interested to see how they were going to handle this. And then as soon as the players, 
as we saw the interviews coming yep. through, as soon as the players were like, basically like Belichick, like, hey, we're on to the next game. Yeah. We're not, doesn't matter. We're on to the but next it, game. It changed, BK, the whole mindset, not only of the team, but I think to an extent, the fan base. The fan base said, okay, the team is in last place. Now they're in the playoffs. Now they're making this run. They've done these remarkable things. This is just another hurdle. And yes, there were people that were clearly upset. I was one of them. But for the most part, I think the fan base reacted to how he was reacting and said, okay, they got it. They're going to be all right. I think the fan base's initial reaction was, oh, same old Blues. This is exactly how it's going to end because, of course, this is how it's going to end because the Blues always have something ridiculous happen that ultimately ends things. And then you see the different reaction from the players and from specifically Bruby, and you then realize... Oh, this isn't the same old blues. No. This is the opposite of what you typically expect from the blues. And I think that's what changed things for me, Dan, watching from afar. I was in Kansas City at the time, but certainly for the fan base that was here colloquially. Oh, but thank you for the same old blues comment before you're part of those teams (laughs) thanks a lot for that partner i've been watching by the way on twitter i I love uh blues history on twitter oh it's great Mm -hmm. isn't it and they have so many great things that pop up and occasionally there's always a a young danny mac that pops i'm like where did they find that stuff it's hilarious (laughs) but what i find to the same old blues theme is when i'm watching it's like okay uh, Brett Hall and Wayne Gretzky combined for seven points tonight on this date in Blues history. Or here's the time that Pierre Turgeon tipped in this Game 7 double overtime win. I love seeing it, but it makes me think, man, there were some great players that were here. That were It was so close to happening, but they never got over the hump, and now we never have to say that again. Never Sorry, have Jamie. to say it again. No, blues. Look, it's okay. I, I tell you, the, the guys who are here, for the same old Blues from years past, you know, we shouldered the burden for years. Walk around town. We're the guys that never got it done. You yeah. know what I mean? And we had some incredible teams. You know Talent. what? You covered it with uh. us. And then to have them do it this past season, it was amazing to see that for the fans here. It was really awesome. People ask me, and I know we got to go and you'll preview your show, but people ask me, best hockey player you covered. And I was here when Gretzky was doing his thing. I mean, that's the best player ever. Well, yeah, I mean, by so default, that's a, that's right? Like, no matter one. what. But the year that Pronger won the MVP was the most ridiculous year I've ever seen a hockey player have. Then and still, it was a Pretty domin- dominant. It yeah. was unbelievable. I thought he was the best. BK, what do you have coming up? Coming up today, Bob Nightingale said yesterday he thinks there's a 90% chance that we see baseball on for the 4th of July. Love He's going to join us coming up at noon at 1230. Bobby Marks, he was a former NBA executive. He was with the Nets in 1995, starting then. So I want to ask him for some Michael Jordan stories and what it was like to build a team to try to beat Michael. We'll do that coming up at 1230. And at 1 o'clock, Joey Vitale. The experience Great. that is Joey Vitale. Ribs, uh, do me a favor. Let's put the uh, the phone on silent. <laughs> Yeah, oh my God. That was weird. I, it happened in the next segment. It happened too, twice Max. in a row. Seriously? I opened yeah. up, I, I send, I find these things for our, some of our articles and I send it to my text message, right? Right. So then when I can want to access, I just pull it up, look very quickly. It's right and there. All of a sudden, yeah. volume started playing. I'm like, what is going on? And so I thought I fixed the problem. And then apparently the next segment, it was the segment I was looking to use it. And boom, it comes on again. You know, there's a little part on the left side of your phone that you just flip it down. It's not that hard. I did, though. I had it. But no, I, well, I apparently you whatever. didn't. I'm done with this technology. I'm out. Ribs BK coming up next. Colin, great job. This is 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.